Morning. Good to see you all. Thank you, Christine. Guys, a blessed time of worship, sung worship. And uh, that's what we're kind of starting this morning. We are looking at bless. Ah, I'm looking forward to this. This is right up my street. Um, Wayne gave me this book um, at my ordination. So over a year ago. And um, I, I, I kind of like promptly started reading it and then slowed down. I'm a bit of a slow reader anyway. But I slowed down because I didn't want to get through it and, and that's it. I wanted to ponder. I wanted to, to reflect. I wanted to, to think deeply about what it meant. And actually I didn't really finish it until I remembered that college wanted me to do a review on it. Uh, so I finished it round about September, October. But it was great just to be able to slowly read a book. And that's how I do read books, very slowly. Um, bless is, is, as you can see up there, um, and I'll put the next one on. It, it's, it's five everyday ways to love your neighbour and change the world. That's quite a bold statement from a book, but that's what I believe, actually, this is a really good way of, of, of looking at how we can do it. It takes that deep longing or desire and it gives legs, authentic and practical ways to actually do what you so want to do. Love your neighbours and change the world. It's written by two brothers, Dave and John Ferguson. Now, they're at the same church in Chicago. Um, what I love about this book is the simplicity that it's written in. I'm a simple man. I like simple books that tell me, and, and you can read it simply. Uh, it's easy to read. Short stories of testimony and questions, uh, which are good for personal devotion, but also group study at the end of every single chapter. And there's not many chapters. There's about five. That was quick maths. Um, so there's not many chapters um, but you can do group study on it, and maybe that's something Wayne and I have been talking about. Maybe we could do something like that later on in the year, is, is kind of actually have a look at this in a little bit of a, a deeper way. It also resonates uh, with what I want to do in some training um, as, as a community pastor. Uh, I believe it's really important to equip, to enable the people of God. That's why we're called into church ministry, Ephesians 4. Um, and one of the things I'd love to do is look at the passion as well that I have for Luke 10. Luke 10 is all about Jesus sending out the 72 disciples. Jesus lets them loose on the villages around. And I just love the way that Jesus goes, go, you have everything, but do it this way, not that way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to um, uh, looking at that a little bit later on as well in the year in training and equipping. And I believe that Jesus shows us clearly how to be Jesus to people by praying for them, by listening, by eating with them. Jesus ate with so many people in scripture, by serving and by sharing stories. And that is what this book aims to do. It's one of the books that I've kind of read and will go, yep, that will be my go-to book uh, for quite a few times uh, as, I, as I carry out this role. 
in scripture. It says, love your neighbour eight times. It's a thread that Jesus weaves throughout the Gospels as he shows by example how we are to bless others. What Jesus did in reaching people was actually really quite simple. It wasn't difficult. But I believe what we have done in what I call institutionalised Western church is overcomplicate how we reach people by sometimes relying too much on the church to organise events or relying on those that seem to have it all sorted out in their relationship with Jesus. And we forget that it's something that we can all do. I often wondered why I found it difficult to share Jesus with others and why I didn't have confidence in doing it. But that was based on what I'd kind of learned growing up and and, and how I'd seen others teach on it and that kind of stuff. Questions of what would I say? Would they laugh at me? Who is my neighbour? And what I see today is actually quite a lot of confused Christians, not confident in themselves or the Holy Spirit working through them. So the light that they carry is more like a torch that can be turned off and turned on again in certain circumstances. And sometimes we haven't even got batteries in the torch. I know Wayne talked about being a light last week, but actually I just just sometimes think that when it comes to this kind of stuff as Christians, it's just like, I just, I just want to hide that light in my pocket in this situation. I don't want them to know I'm a Christian. And there's, an, there's another book that I've literally started reading, so this one will probably come... Uh, at some point. Uh, I love this. It's a guy called Andy Bannister. This is comical. How to talk about Jesus without looking like an idiot. I saw that. I went, I'm buying it. I don't care what the content is. I'm buying it based on that. And actually, he talks about the, the confidence that he didn't have as a young man um, in, in work situations or where it was. He was a Christian. He'd go to church. He'd do that thing. But actually, when it went to work, He'd almost take the cross off of his neck and just be like, no, don't want people to know. So again, I'm, 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 it's taking time um, to get through it, but it's another good book. Um, and I think what this book, the other one, uh, aims to do is just to simplify something that we've made really complicated in evangelism. You know, ooh, I said the E word. Some people just balk at that. Evangelism? Oh, I'll do evangelism, that's not me. Well, I think this book actually shows that actually we can all take a bit of a part in all of this in very simple ways. It can be a bit scary when you hear the word evangelism. So for me, I think it's best to turn to Jesus and use his example of, of how he reached people. And uh, what Jesus quite clearly did was bless people. It's as simple as that. He blessed people. Now, the word bless is seen as a holy word, like honour, adore, glorify, and respect. He kind of like, I googled it and looked at what Oxford Dictionary says, and these are the kind of words that came out. It's more of a holy word. God has blessed us, hasn't he? We are blessed by what happened on the cross. We are blessed by being forgiven before we even recognised Jesus in our own lives. 
Regardless of how you feel, God honours, adores and respects you. He loves you. He loves you like his neighbour. says eight times in scripture, he loves you like his neighbour. And for those who believe, we are now his children. Love that. So as God blesses us, what are we called to do? Bless others. It's quite simple. There's no rocket science stuff here this morning. It is one plus one equals two. Simple stuff with me. You know that by now. Um, Proverbs 11, 25, and the message version says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I think this is really key for us to recognise and remember that the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. In blessing others, there's something in us that gets blessed. It's that feel-good factor. You know when you've done something that you just have blessed someone and you've seen them kind of like big smile on their face and actually you can kind of go away from that going, yeah, that was was good. I feel blessed by doing that. And I believe God sees that. He sees that and he's pleased with us. This book is not another book on how to evangelise, but I believe it's a simple formula that uses Jesus' example of befriending people into his kingdom. We need to have, I believe we have to need, have a different mindset of, of how we've kind of been taught over many years. And that is the need to convert people into Christianity. I think we need to get that out of our heads, that we're all about conversion. That's my own personal opinion. We can have a debate and discuss that. I'm sure we can. Conversion versus blessing. It's actually part of uh, the first chapter of this book. And uh, it's quite interesting, really. I'm going to read uh, this part. Um, Blessers versus converters. And it was a study, I have to say, you know, I'm definitely getting past that age now, I'm having to take them on. Um, This was a study that was done for a group of, two groups of missionaries in Thailand. And the converters group went with the sole intention of converting people and evangelising. Their goal was to save souls. The blessers group explained their intention like this. We are here to bless whoever God sends our way. The study followed both the converters and the blessers for two years. At the end of that time, the researchers discovered two key findings. First, the presence of the blessers in the community resulted in tremendous amounts of social good. It appeared, according to the study, that this group contributed to the betterment of society, community life and the creation of social capital. The presence of the converters, however, seemed to make no difference. The second discovery, and this was very surprising, was that the blessers saw 48 conversions, while the converters saw only one. The blessers group saw almost 50 times as many conversions 
through being a blessing than the group that was only trying to convert the people around it. The bottom line, the best way to accomplish Jesus' mission of helping people love each other and come to know the love of God is for his people to become blessers. I put those pictures up specifically because that's what we see. We see on the media, we see on the news, don't we, the Jesus placards and you're going to hell, you're going to burn, and it's like turn or burn kind of stuff. Actually, the other pictures are just going and blessing people, doing what Jesus did, simple stuff. And that's what other people see. Like I said, for me, when I was growing up as a young man, as a young Christian, it was all about converting your mates. Got to get them in the kingdom. Simple as that. And I remember actually saying to one of my mates, he is actually a Christian now, but I let God deal with him um, and didn't carry on myself. But I said to him, mate, what happens if you get run over by a bus tomorrow? He actually didn't really want to come to church for the youth stuff we were doing after that. Uh That was a good one, well done. So I prayed for him. I said, Lord, you bless him. He's over to you, really. And ten years later, he became a Christian. That was just fantastic, you know. But actually, sometimes you've just got to be really careful on how we do it. Now, I know that back in the 70s and 80s, there used to be massive evangelistic events. The likes of Billy Graham, Louis Palau. My mum and dad became Christians at Queen's Park Rangers, listening to Louis Palau. I don't know why Queen's Park Rangers. I asked my dad's team, but we'll leave that there. Uh, I said the best thing that probably happened at Queen's Park Rangers all those years ago was a Christian turned up and started preaching and people came to Jesus. I'm not knocking that. They're anointed and gifted in that style of reaching people. But as we see that, as we've grown up seeing that, some of us, we kind of like think, oh, I could never do that. You're right. You're never going to do that. That's their gifting. But we kind of think, right, okay, so we need to put on some kind of big evangelistic event that everyone comes along to and becomes Christians. Yeah, that's what we're praying for. Hmm. Kind of goes a little bit against what I think and how Jesus did it. I believe there is an easier way. In Genesis 12, 1 to 3, we read, I will make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. The word bless is used five times here as God talks to Abraham. Abraham then became the father of nations. He was truly blessed as he blessed others. So we aren't here to convert, we're here to bless people. And what we want to do is look at what this strategy of bless is. It's been up there, you can see it, you can read it. The B, begin with prayer. Nothing else, begin with prayer. Next week we'll look at listen. So me and Wayne often talk about it in the office sometimes, why we've got two ears and one mouth. We listen. Eat. As you probably see, I'm eating less these days. It's a good thing. But I still like a meal with people. I still like to go out with people. When you look at the amount of times that Jesus went for a meal, and I'll keep saying it, it's one of the best ways that Jesus spent time with people and befriended people. You get to know people over a meal so much better. Serve. 
Jesus served and he showed us how to serve. Washing the disciples' feet the night before he was about to be crucified. There's a lot of other things I'd want to do before that was going to happen. And story. You'll find, and I'm not going to give it away too much, but you will find that when someone asks you, tell me your story about Jesus, that's the hook. That's the bit where you go, right, okay. Why am I a Christian? That's a question for us. Why am I a Christian? Pray that someone might ask you that question. That's what this whole book is about. It's about looking at strategic ways of doing stuff. And I think each week we'll look at these simple steps, how they'll help us become blessings to our neighbours, friends, work colleagues and family. However, and it's quite key because the, the, the brothers in this, Dave and John, say this isn't a tick box exercise. It's not a tick box exercise. It's actually a way of living. Change a way of living. Put these things in place to start to see the miracles of his kingdom in people's lives. So let's begin with prayer. We all know that prayer is the most important thing we can do as Christians, yeah? Good. Get some nods and that was was good. Prayer can be many different things. It can be thanks, petition, intercession. It can be desperate sometimes. But I also believe it can be strategic. Prayers can be strategic. In the book they say love begins with prayer. Before Jesus showed the ultimate love sacrifice, what did he do in the Garden of Gethsemane? He prayed. Prayed for himself. Prayed for his disciples. And he prayed for us. Thanks, Nick. He prayed for us. Before he was crucified, he prayed. Love begins with prayer. Corey Ten Boom says, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. I love that quote. We never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plans for the answer. In other words, you've got some work to do, guys. There's some work for you to do as well. A quote that I've seen in many places is, if you're asking God to move mountains, don't be surprised if he asks you to bring a shovel. We've got work to do. We can't get annoyed with God when prayers aren't answered. Especially if we're just sitting around waiting for him to do it. We've got a role in this as well. We're his ambassadors. Father, bring the community into our church. We can pray that for six months, a year, two years. If we're just sitting here doing the same old, same old stuff, guess what? They ain't coming in. Needs you. Needs us. There's a story in here of a guy 
named Louis, and, and we've all heard these kind of stories before, and, and I, I'm just going to read it. Um, take the glasses off again. <laughs> One day, Louis went to the mall. It's obviously a very American. And for whatever reason, he noticed a guy sitting on a bench. He said he had a strange sensation. Go tell that guy that God loves him. Of course, Louis didn't want to do that. Would you want to walk up to someone you didn't know at all and say, hey, God loves you? So he did what most of us might. He shrugged it off and kept on shopping. When Louis came out of the store in another part of the mall, a bit later there was that same guy again. Louis felt an inner nudge. Go over there and tell him God loves him. He shrugged it off again. Then the third time he saw the same guy. Again, he got the same prompting. Finally, he said, all right. He walked up to the guy and said, I don't want to seem weird or anything, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that God loves you. Immediately, the stranger's eyes filled up with tears. And he said, this morning, I was at the end of my rope. I told God, if you're real, show me you love me today. I don't know who you are, but you're the third random person in the mall today who's come up to me and said, hey, I don't know you, but God loves you. No one's ever said it to me once before, and now it's happened three times in one day. That's one of the guys that goes to their church. We just never know. We never know how God is going to use us. We never know. Jesus knew he had to spend time with the Father to make sure that he was on the right path for the day ahead in who he would meet and bless. I think that's why Jesus spent so much time in prayer with the Father. Who are you going to bring into your kingdom today, Father? Who am I going to interact with? And in Luke 6, verse 12 to 13, it says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, Spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So before Jesus chose the 12, he prayed. Now, it doesn't tell us the interaction between the Father and Jesus, but he prayed all night. That's a tall order. I don't know if anyone's ever prayed all night. I've prayed for an hour or so during the night when we've done like a 24-7 thing. But he prayed all night. God is listening. But Jesus still had to go out and do the work. He still had to go out and talk to the fisherman, to the tax collector, to the zealot to the brothers, to all of these people. He still had to go out. He had to show them what the kingdom was about. He didn't just wait for God to bring them all to the mountainside. He went out into the country around Nazareth, Galilee. He went out. Wayne emphasised the need for prayer last week. And it was great to pray with around 50 of you on Tuesday. 
We know that prayer is sometimes something we're too busy for. We're preoccupied with life stuff. Or sometimes we simply just don't know how to and what to pray for. Maybe we doubt that prayer works. Maybe we've been praying for so long for some stuff and we just think, you know what? Just don't think it works really. Trust me, it does. As many of us here this morning can say, yeah, it does. Our prayer life is so important as we need to spend time hearing what God has to say to us and who he wants us to pray for. Or whose face just drops into our minds? You ever have that? Someone's face just drops into your mind. Yeah, it's a bit weird. How about, ah, are you asking me to pray for them right now, Father? That's what I do. That's, that's, that's just, I have a simple prayer life. I walk and talk. And if someone's face comes into my mind, it's a, it's a quick stop and just pray for them, bless them, Father, whatever they're going through, whatever it might be. Now, it might be that actually that's just me. But I'd rather it just be, yeah, let's pray. It can be as simple as that. Is that the one? Go back a bit. Prayer changes us. Um, I'm going to read this bit again. I use the book because it's really good stuff. If you're not regularly praying for people by name, I doubt God will use you to help change them. I believe this for two reasons. First, God has chosen to work through us so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5. So prayer is connecting to the source that will bring change in others. Second, prayer is connecting to the source that will change you. When you begin with prayer, God begins to change your heart And you begin to feel what God feels for other people. That's a scary one. They're no longer projects. No longer people to convert. That's my bit. When God's spirit allows you to feel what God feels, you get ideas that come from God like send a text to your neighbour to see how he's doing. Or ask your friend if he's got time for a coffee this week. When they ask you what's up, you just say I was praying and just thought of you. Often the timing of those promptings to reach out is remarkable. Many times I've heard people tell me, wow, your timing is crazy. It's because God God uses prayer to change others, but he also uses it to change you. As we pray, we are changed. My brother-in-law, years ago, when we were on a youth... um, thing in Holland, building, building a, a children's home out of a barn. I've probably told this story before, but he, I, I, where has he gone? No one could find him. And he found him out on the road, just weeping, weeping. Like, Mate, what's wrong? He said, I prayed that I would see the world through Jesus' eyes. And he said, for a split second, I did, and it broke me. It broke me. It's like, flipping heck. My brother-in-law's a big, tough guy. <laughs> He's built houses. But as a young man, he was broken. 
because for that split second he saw the world as Jesus sees it and it broke him. It's powerful, just remember that, powerful. Our hearts change, we change as the Father reveals his love for others to us. Who is my neighbour? Your neighbour can literally be the bloke next door, the work colleague or the person in front of you in the street. However, for this we're looking at praying for those that you have a relationship with already. That's good, a good relationship. It's not fraught. A person of peace. But who is my neighbour? Now this is a helpful, Dave, Dave put this together for me, thank you very much Dave, so we can copyright it ourselves. Uh, but yeah, he put that together for us. If, and I'll explain what this is. It's in the book, and it's a really good visual aid. It's a simple picture, but could be good for us individually, just to slip into your Bible or into a wallet, put on the fridge. And it could be something that families can adopt as well. And, and sometimes we need that simple reminder, don't we? We just need a simple kind of thing that we we'll go, oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's just that daily reminder. And, and this is basically to write in those boxes your neighbours. It can literally be your neighbours. It could be a couple of neighbours that you, you, you kind of know so well, or it could be that work colleague, or it could be that person at the school gate. Um, it could be that family member. Whoever it is, just put it in there. And it's a reminder just to pray for them every single day. Every single day. Just, just to, just, it's a simple, simple thing. And um, I'll forward it on uh, to Mary in the office, and if anybody wants that, we could just send it out to you anyway, whatever, and you can print it off and, and have one. Just use it as a nice, simple tool. The Ferguson brothers finish off with four Ps in this chapter. And believe it, there's just four Ps in that pod there. Uh, sorry, that's really bad. I knew I'd get a few groans. Um, but P... The start off with is a plan. This is why I'm talking about the strategic nature of prayer. Let's start to be strategic about praying for our neighbours. That's what this is. It begins with prayer. We write things in our calendar, don't we? Events, in a diary, this is going to happen, meetings, you know, going to shows, which loads of people seem to be doing at the moment. I know I did one recently. It was good fun. We put things in our diary. We plan. In the same way, we need to plan our prayers. We can be off the hoof, off the cuff, that's fine, but actually let's be intentional. Plan to set aside time to pray for those who you class as your neighbour. In, in it can be as, as small as five minutes. If it's five people, pray a minute for each person. Beginning or the end of the day, during a lunch break, when you're driving or walking somewhere, plan to pray for your neighbours by name. Maybe in discipleship groups or, or, or study groups or triplets, you can plan. So, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to plan to pray for your neighbours. Those people set aside that you say, I really, I really feel that God wants to win them. Start praying for them. Start praying for them as groups. 
But prepare your heart. It's the next P. Prepare your heart. Bring your shovel. You've got work to do. Bring your shovel. You've got groundwork. As God moves the mountain, we need to be also working as well. We need to be intentional and prepare our hearts for an exciting adventure with God. Ask God to give you the eyes to see where he is leading you and follow him. Be bold. Ask him to give you divine appointments. Places. Where will you be going during the day or the next day? Jesus went from place to place. As he prayed, I think God showed him, this, you're going to go here, you're going to go there, you're going to go there. Ask God to help you to be sensitive to your surroundings and guide you to places where he wants you to be a blessing. The high street, the coffee shop, the train, the school gate, It's actually being spiritually awake with Jesus' eyes, seeing people the way he does, and people. Ask God to show you how to be a blessing to your neighbour. I don't know what your relationships are like with your immediate neighbours, whether they're fraught, whether there's not many parking spaces, that's the problem and issue we have. But have that kind of, uh, how are you blessing your neighbour? Picture them as you pray. Pray for their health. Pray for their family, their relationships, their careers, their finances. Pray for them. Pray as you pray for yourself. Pray for them in the same way. Father, help me to be a good steward of my money. And I pray that so-and-so next door will also be a good steward of their money as well, Father that actually the situation they may be in, you'll start to bring them out of it. Pray for them in that way. Pray for people how you would want someone to be praying for you. Pray for them in the same way. To finish, I want us to pray. It'd be stupid if we didn't. Um, so before, before the band come up and we, we, we sing another song, I, I think it would just be good for us to reflect and be quiet in our own prayer. We don't need to get like, into groups or anything else like that. Just where you're at. Stop and now spend some time in prayer. Pray for people of peace that you know of. They maybe have asked you a question. Faith? Or what do you do on a Sunday? And you've had a little bit of a conversation. You think, actually, there's something there. Put them in that box, write them in, and get praying for them. Think of what you're going to do the rest of today, the rest of this week. Where are you going? What are you doing? And just spend time preparing your heart that God would change your heart for others, that he would show you how he sees them. Pray that you would stop thinking of these people as projects or to convert, but ask, Father, how can I bless? So let's just spend some time now in quiet. Fill those boxes in your mind. 
Let's spend some time praying. Father, you have seen and you have heard every thought, every prayer that has just been offered to you. Father, I pray as we begin this series by beginning with prayer that this becomes something that we instill in our lives, that you urge us to continue to pray for those that we call neighbour. But Father, you loved us first. Father, teach us how to pray for our neighbours. Father, for all of those names that have been lifted up, Father, we pray your kingdom come in their life. Father, we pray that as we look at this series and over the coming weeks, months and and maybe even years, that, Father, we would see those people, those names that had just been said to you, Father, they will come into your kingdom. We pray that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that we won't just sit idle waiting, but actually we would pick up our shovels. We have got work to do. Thank you, Father, that you have already gone ahead and prepared the way through the cross. But, Father, there's work to do. There are conversations that have got to be had. There are more prayers that have got to be done. There's more food that we've got to eat with them. We've got to serve them, Father, a lot more. And we've got to share our story, a story that has changed our lives. That we have seen the kingdom come in our lives. And Father, may we share that story with those around us. Father, may we be a blessing to people. May they see us a shining light of Jesus. May they know and trust us because we have loved them in the same way you have loved us. May we be a blessing. Amen.